Welcome to the Time for Teachership podcast. As a professional speaker, trainer, and author, Mr. Johnson, aka Coach Carlos, is locally bred, but his work and research on culture and engagement have taken him national and international. Coach Carlos and his team of consultants have utilized his experience and research to successfully turn around three failing public schools and one private Christian academy. In addition, his training and strategies have helped to change school culture and increase parental engagement, student enrollment, and staff and student retention. His driving belief? After 20 years of research, all evidence confirms that a highly engaged culture is the mother of high performance. Everybody get ready to meet Coach Carlos. I'm educational justice coach, Lindsay Lyons, and here on the Time for Teachership podcast, we learn how to inspire educational innovation for racial and gender justice, design curricula grounded in student voice, and build capacity for shared leadership. I'm a former teacher leader turned instructional coach. I'm striving to live a life full of learning, running, baking, traveling, and parenting because we can be rockstar educators and be full human beings. If you're a principal, assistant superintendent, curriculum director, instructional coach, or teacher who enjoys nerding out about co-creating curriculum with students, I made this show for you. Here we go. Coach Carlos, welcome to the Time for Teachership podcast. Oh, man, I I am ecstatic. If this was video, you would see my big smile. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for being here. Injury and all, I'm, I'm so grateful yeah. for your, your time. And and I think, so one of the things that people often think of, right, when they we hear the bio at the start of the episode and everything, they're like, there's more to me than my official bio, right? Or yeah. there's something on my mind right now that's yeah. grounding our conversation today. Is there anything like that that you want people to know beyond the traditional bio, just kind of where we're starting today. Yeah, I I just if you know, regardless of what my bio says, it can all be summed up with that I have a I have an overwhelming passion for um building healthy relationships between teachers and students. I mean, it's just teachers are stressed out now and one of the ways of helping them de-stress or lower that stress is to be in an environment, a culture that's comfortable, that's welcoming. And it's tough to do that when the relationships are sour and toxic. So if there's anything else I need them to know, just know that I'm an advocate for helping you build a healthy environment in your classroom. I love the grounding in the healthy. I love the grounding in the relationships. And I also just really appreciate it in your book, you talk about it's actually, yeah, de-stressing for teachers to yeah. be in positive, healthy relationships with students, right? It's it's not just benefiting the students, it's benefiting right. everyone, which I right. think is so great at a time of, you know, teacher retention being really low and there's, right. it's a really high stress job. So right. it, it really is. I mean, one of the things I say in the book, and it was a shock when I learned this stat, uh, is, is that when officers are involved in shootings or tragic accidents they literally get an opportunity or it's mandated for them to take some time off to even possibly get some mental and emotional support whereas when teachers they have to go right back to the classroom and i'm saying wow and it's just you know there is a we need we need some help in this industry the world needs to see us a little bit differently than what the, what we are. We need help out here. Wow, what a, what a really interesting framing of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think every teacher and student should have mandated counseling. Like, I think that would be like free yeah. access to counseling. <laughs> yeah, I go to counseling every Friday. 
Brilliant. Every single Friday. Now, my counseling may not be the traditional sit on the couch or talk with someone, but golf is my, I exhale, I relax, I get rid of the problems of the world for five hours. You can't call me. <laughs> I'm not trying to call you. I mean, I mean everybody's got to have a healthy way of just getting rid of the dirt from the world. And for me, it's golf. Now, I, I, I'll do some professional therapy too, but for me, it's golf every Friday, every Friday, unless something else is going on. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, if I don't start my day with like a run or a swim or something, it's yeah. just like, I can't, we're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta find your thing. Yeah. Unless you're gonna end up strangling somebody. <laughs> there, there, there was a song back in the day uh, and the lyric to the song with don't push me cause I'm close to the edge. <laughs> I mean, that should be the teacher's mantra right there. <laughs> so right now we've got to find some way to de-stress yours. As you say, is a quick run. It could be a, some nice coffee before work. It could be, you know, exercise at your favorite gym. Mine is golf, whatever it is, get it in. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful message to start with. So yeah. I think there's so much beauty in, in the book that you you bring in from the from the de-stressing, you know, teachers and, and all of this that we've already been talking about to like the the equitable impacts and the the justice impacts for students when we do all this stuff well, right? And yeah. so one of the first questions I ask is usually, you know, Dr. Patina Love writes about freedom dreaming in this gorgeous way. She she says their dreams grounded in the critique of injustice. Wow. And so Right. I just love that phrasing. Yeah. And, I, and I think about that for all the dreams we hold for education. So with sure. that, what is what is that dream for you for education? Yeah, that the dream for me is to create a culture where performance based relationships rule, uh, where teachers don't consider themselves as that one dimensional term teaching. It's just too one dimensional but they really see themselves as life coaches. Uh, it's the reason why I chose the name Coach Carlos. I don't do that just for branding and for hype. I want to carry a coach's mindset. And a coach looks at its players, his or her players in ways, how do I get the best out of this individual player so that we all can win? And it, my dream would be to have teachers adopt that coach's mindset so that they can indeed build healthy relationships based on performance in the classroom. Yes, I love this phrase, performance-based relationships. And I know you get into that in the book quite a bit, describing like what it's not, what it is. Is yeah. there anything else you want to say in terms of a definition or to kind of situate it in like what we often see in classes that is not performance-based relationships? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Every every relationship is based on performance. There's not one relationship that we have that's even if you were even if you had a coffee cup in front of you, that relationship with your coffee cup is based on performance. I mean, if it didn't keep your coffee hot and keep it keep the heat away from your hand, you wouldn't use it. Every relationship is based on performance. Um, what I really want to emphasize in the book when, whenever I'm talking is that it's okay for us to be in performance-based relationships. We all are. 
But what does that performance look like? And what are we saying? And let's be clear with the relationships I have with parents. That's a performance based relationship. I want the parents to know, hey, I'm not I want to be your friend, but it's not based on that. It's based on my performance as a school administrator. It's based on your performance as an engaged parent. Let's measure each other that way. So at the when, when you hear me, when you read in, in the book, when whenever you hear me say performance-based, we're all in a performance-based relationship. I don't, I don't know if we articulate it well enough. I don't know if we unpack it well enough. And then lastly, I certainly don't see, I don't see us evaluating our performances in such a way that it's not, and I got you, or I got you, you didn't do that right. No, let's evaluate our performances so that we can support one another. And that's the way I look at it. Yeah, there's so much. I mean, there's so much I want to get into in your book. I might skip over my typical questions here, oh, but no I, I no think problem. one of the things I really like is this idea of family partnership or parent partnership that you talk about. And I, I wonder if you can kind of talk us through this idea of like, you talk about defining meaningful minimums, for example. Yeah. And and one of the things that really stuck out, I think I wrote an exclamation mark next to this when I was reading, <laughs> was that that parents sometimes when asked, they say, well, we don't even know the definition of what partnership yeah. is for you, right? How yeah. do we engage? Like, what does that look like on your end? And so I never even realized, like as a, as a parent myself, right? Like I, I was like, oh yeah, like what is that engagement look like? I would love that answer. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you want to walk us through any of that stuff around family partnership as yeah. connected to the relationships you brought up. I think that section oh, of the book was brilliant. Yes, yeah, certainly. Let's, let's do that. That I mean, we're, I mean, we're at a crisis now. Every district is now we're at a crisis now with having the amount of people, the amount of bodies, the amount of instructors needed to have a healthy culture in the school so that instruction can go forward. We're, I mean, every school I'm in, the number of substitute teachers, if you will, is increasing. So what does a faithful teacher who gets up every single morning, has her lesson plan ready, who goes into the school, what does she do when she's always shorthanded? She gets there today and the administrator may have to say, well, Mr. or Mrs. Johnson is not here today, so we need to combine your class with theirs. We need help. So one of the best obvious places to get help is from parents. I mean, parents have got to be a part of the solution. We've got to have partnerships with them that are healthy and that are uh, that are performance based. Um, so when I talk about parents being a part of the process, I mean let's, I mean let's be real about this. Students spend somewhere around thirteen hundred hours per year with us. Wow. I don't know about you, Lindsay, but I've got a, don't you tell anybody I said this, but I got a couple of friends who don't spend 1300 hours with their kids every, every year. I mean, I mean there, there, there are some parents who don't spend 1300 hours. So if we're going to spend that much time with your child, what I say to parents, what I say to districts is that let's do this right. Let's get this 
Let's get this partnership, this co-parenting thing uh, right. And oftentimes we, we have to take responsibility for the fact that we're not showing parents how to be a part of the process. I love this phrasing around co-parenting. I think that's really fun. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. And it is, right? 1,300 hours. <laughs> I, I think about my child in daycare right now, and I'm like, whoo, that daycare day is long. Like, I, you know, I see him for like a couple hours a day during the yeah. week, right? Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think about this and and I I, I love that you um you know talk about the domino effect and and yeah. the, the different things that you can do to kind of think about where where we start, right? In terms of like, okay, we we analyze the systems and we're like, we need to do something about this. Like what is yeah. what's the first place that you would suggest a leader listening to this kind of uh, moves following this episode? Like what's what's that first step? And then where do we go from there? Wow, great question. I love when we talk about the dominoes. I mean, that's a that's a very, I'm from Michigan. And um, because of that, I, under, I have a, a keen understanding on how geometric progression works because we're a factory town and you had to know something about how 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 it worked around there. And what we learned very quickly, whether we call it geometric progression, whether we call it the domino theory, whether we call it momentum, whatever, what we learned very on as kids is that, you know, you you start on this end of the supply chain and that thing carried supplies all the way down the assembly line. Well, school is just like that. So when I'm working with, with uh, school leaders, when I'm working with teachers, oftentimes as they should be, they're looking at the end of the assembly line. They're looking at that big domino that they've got to knock down, whether it be attendance, whether it be academics, whether it be behavior, whether it be school culture, that's the big domino. And that's okay. Put that big domino out there, but don't attack the big domino. <laughs> Let find all the interrelated activities to that domino and then go all the way down to the smallest activity, line them up, and just like how dominoes work, knock over the smallest one. And that smallest one will hit the the next one, will hit the next one, the largest one. And what we know from the domino theory is that every domino can knock over the corresponding domino that is 50% its, its weight or height. So a small thing knocks over a larger thing. That larger thing knocks over a larger thing and that knocks over a larger thing. So when we do the exercise at my PDs and things like that, I literally take them from the big domino. What's your big domino? Well, it's attendance, Coach Carlos. Okay, let's look at attendance. Now let's back. What's the next thing that affects attendance? What's the next thing that affects attendance? And we go all the way down to the smallest thing. And ultimately, what we know from John Hattie and his research, and by the way, John Hattie is crazy. I don't, I don't know how that guy does the research he does. <laughs> I mean, that guy is crazy. I mean, the way he does, uh, the amount of research that he's given us in visible learning. I, I love his 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 new revision. Uh, he started off, I think, around 195 um, uh, uh, strategies that had a different effect sizes, but now he's up to like 295 or somewhere around there. But what hasn't changed is the fact that all of those strategies, they center around me being in relationship with you and vice versa. It just doesn't work. If you don't like me, I don't like you. 
there's no way for us to do any of those strategies. So uh, if you look at his his recent revision, his holy grail is uh, CTE, which is collective teacher efficacy. Um, so that's just saying that the teachers believe in the uh, ability of their students to complete the work. That's relationship, Lindsay. That's relationship. So the smallest domino in every school is do you like the kids? Do the kids like you? That changes the game. Now, how, how do we get to building those relationships? That's where the strategies come in, is how do you build relationships with kids? How do you build relationships with parents? Um, and that's where the, the work at. But you can't get there if you don't first mentally believe that I've got to care something about these kids and vice versa. Yeah, I love this idea of belief. It reminds me a lot of like adaptive leadership theory and stuff of like yeah. the root cause is often a belief, right? And yeah. so when yeah. we get to that place, like I often do like a root cause analysis with schools, you know, when they're strategic planning or whatever. And it's like, if we don't get to the bottom and figure out it's a belief that we hold, then we're not right. deep enough, right? Right, <laughs> like, right, 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 right. <laughs> no, we, have, we haven't gotten to the core yet. I mean, mm -hmm. this thing is not rocket science in, in the sense that if you are... We are just relationship beings. We're relational. And, and, and if you, when we want to punish someone, we lock them away. And then when we want to punish them further, even if they're behind bars, we incarcerate them in such a way where you don't get to see anybody. That is the ultimate punishment is to deprive someone from a relationship. So if that's the ultimate punishment, it stands to reason that the ultimate pleasure is to be in relationship. That's the ultimate pleasure. And um, if, if we if we can bottle that, then I think we can we can build some um, not stress free, stress less, but we can minimize the stress and increase the performance in our classrooms. Hmm. I I love that that place you ended there because I it makes me think of the high why that you talk about. Yeah. So in terms of a belief, I feel like that's kind of connected because you talk about the purpose, right, for what we do. But then there's also that like that action, the moderate levels of cortisol, right, and right. and we're like moving right. into that positive stress. So right. do you mind talking about that a little bit for a minute? If yeah, we, if we yeah, that was a blessing to me too when I was able to understand that because I knew. I mean, for a while, we've been talking about stress. We've been talking about stress and rightfully so. But what we need to add to the conversation is that there is some healthy stress out here. There's some good stress. I can't think of any important achievement that I've ever made. Like this book took me three years to write. <laughs> it took me three years. That was stressful. But it was a good stress. It wasn't. It wasn't something that was overwhelming. It wasn't something that I was. My heart was. You know, I had to go on heart medication because of it. It was. It was a good stress. And and what we know from the medical community from the community is that there is a very dangerous stress, and that is identified as distress. Everybody knows that. And that makes sense. We all have been there. But there is a corresponding healthy stress called eustress. That's the one we want. We want to be in that space of eustress because that eustress is what 
as the basis for accomplishment. That is what gets us moving. That's what changes and that's what transforms. So I'm okay with there being some stress in the classroom. I'm okay with there being some uh, kids being under a little bit of stress. As long as they're under stress in a healthy environment and they're not distressed. I, I I loved that section of the book. And I, I also like that you you named that if it, there's too little stress, right, then then it goes towards like depression or right, we're, we're not functioning right. there either. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And I think about looking out at a classroom of students who who fall into the whole continuum, right? We often have students who are like, the head down, like, I right. don't, you know, I'm not doing, and then we have the students who are like so stressed out about accomplishing the thing and doing the yeah, task. And, and right. then we have students in the middle who are like that healthy stress. And it's like, if we could just get everyone to that place. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it right there. You that, That'll move the needle. And that's what Angela Duckworth talks about in her book, Grit. I love that book, Grit. And we don't, in schools, we don't talk about, we talk about it, but we don't implement her values and her research enough. Because we want to, in a good way, we want to protect children. And I understand that. But children, have a, they're a lot more resilient than we give them credit for. But it, it has to be under the oversight of a healthy adult who is just like a master chef in the kitchen who knows how to turn up the flame here. But no, don't cook it too long. But let me turn the flame up a little bit over here. But then let me, but this kid over here, oh, I can turn the flame up because they can take it. But this kid over here, I better turn the flame down a little bit. But you've got to know it. You a, a master chef knows the appropriate temperature that every food cooks at. And master teachers understand that, or as, as I call master coaches, they understand they can a, a coach, a teacher who's a coach will look at me and say, Carlos, I know you can do better, and I am not letting you get away with that level of work and, and will proceed to push me a little harder, and but also encourage me because they know, ah, he can handle that kind of stress. He can do it. But that takes a teacher who is not just someone who is regurgitating what they learned, but someone who says, I've looked at this child. I understand him. They can handle. Yes. And I, I love that. I love the idea that we have to first know all of our kids, right? To be yeah. able to do well by them. And so mm. I'm wondering if there, you have so many strategies in the book. So I'm wondering if there's yeah. either a favorite strategy or something that you're, you're thinking of that's been really successful in schools that you've worked with as that kind of relationship builder or, or way of getting to know all of your students. Yeah. Well, the first thing is and, and, and teachers, educators, administrators, listen to me. Take a look at your butt first. Take some time and look at your butt. <laughs> and, what, and what I mean by that is we have too many butts in our heads. We've got too many butts. And the, the three key butts that I have found, or really the, the, the two key butts, the other one is, is what the coach says. But the, the two key butts that prevent us from really engaging students uh, is that we tell ourselves these stories that prevent us from really engaging in building a relationship. So I would engage a relationship with this child, but I would engage in a relationship with this child, but, and those buts have got to get out the way. So teachers get your butt out the way. 
<laughs> We've got to get those butts out the way, but the two the, the two biggest butts are um this could this kid could learn, but they are not competent enough to do so. There's still those of us in our industry who believe in some of those archaic philosophies that genetically some kids just don't have it. They still believe in some of the fallacies of the bell curve. They still believe in some of the Darwin uh, philosophies. We still have some that are still around. And so they they feel like they can look at a child and assess that, oh, yeah, that child won't make it here. They, they, they can't make it in this building nor in my class. That's a but that will prevent them from truly engaging that child. Um, the second but is the cultural buts. And that but is when we tell ourselves we just don't connect to that child because they don't talk the way I talk. And I'm not just talking about ethnicity, but what I'm talking about are our personal biases and prejudices. You know, I would connect with that child, but I don't connect with that child. But there, there's something about the single parents that, you know, single parents do this. Kids who come from parents who smoke weed do that or whatever their butts are, their cultural biases are. And those two butts, I find, limit a, an administrator or educator's willingness, not ability, but their willingness to enter into a relationship with the child. And if they can get those butts out the way and become a coach they'll be fine. So that's that that strategy right there, strategy number one. You can't go much further if your mindset is stuck in, oh, I can look at these 30 kids and I can already tell you the ones who won't survive. Yeah. You know, I can look at these kids already and they're, you know, I, there's a reason why I don't connect with Carlos because, you know, he doesn't have the right color eyes or he doesn't have the right diction with his language. Um, but if a teacher can get past those, anybody can learn from him or her. Yeah, that's I, I really appreciate how you break that down in the book, too. And you give several examples of of what the, the cultural butts specifically could could yeah. look like, um, yeah. including like political beliefs. Right. Oh, like yeah. like I, I think yeah. a lot of those were really like helpful for me to read through and be like, oh, yeah, yeah I recognize those moments in class when I was like. I have a very different view of like what this policy should be. And the student disagrees with me. Like, mm, I feel the disconnect. That's right. Or right. Right. Oh, I feel the connect because right. they agree with me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. One, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just vibing with you. That's all. <laughs> one of the things that I was thinking about too, is like, sometimes we have these cultural pieces where teachers who are like-minded in that way, they share the same butts, maybe, you know, yeah. They, they say things in a meeting or we hear yeah. something, maybe uh, just yeah. person to person, we overhear it in the teacher's lounge or whatever. That's right. And and we can then step in and identify that, right? Yeah. And to, to be on That's the right. lookout for those phrases. That's right. That people will sometimes speak out loud. That's and just right. Like, this kid can't <laughs> learn. They shouldn't be here. Like, okay, red flag. Let's like, let's address it. That's and I right. think as a leader, just being attuned to those yes. phrases. Yeah, I think would be so helpful. Yes, now that now that right there might be a nice little add-on book right there. The phrases <laughs> to watch out for. That might be your book right there. <laughs> yeah, because you're right. When you when those when those phrases subconsciously come out someone's mouth, 
then that lets you know right there that they're going to have difficulty building relationships with certain types of populations. And that's what's going to hold. And, and consequently, if you look at their the numbers of kids who excel or don't, I guarantee you they're in line with their butts. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay just jumping in to talk about our episode freebie. Coach Carlos and I talk a lot about culture in this episode, which is typically an adaptive challenge or an adaptive thing we talk about. So go ahead and grab my adaptive challenges mini workbook at the blog post for this episode, lindsaybethlyons.com slash blog slash 150. Back to the episode. They're they're right in line with those butts. So it's a, you know, it that right there, if we could, that, that one strategy right there, understanding what your butts are can really catapult um, a, a, an educator into building healthy relationships with the majority of their kids. One of the things that really, um, I would say, kind of gives an example of this is, again, I, I, I no longer live in Michigan, but I have Michigan roots. So I, I tell the story about oftentimes having to go out in, in the uh, wintertime and get and start my car. And in Michigan, if it snowed real bad and your car was outside, it may not start no more. <laughs> so, so this one time I went out to start my car. It did not start. And I had to call AAA. And AAA came out and I, I told the guy that, hey, I was able to turn the radio on. I was able to turn the lights on. Um, so I don't understand why it wouldn't work. He got the car started and what he shared with me then really helped me understand some of the disconnects with us and kids. And that is what he shared with me is that there are some functions in the car that only need a small voltage to operate. But if you want that engine to turn over and you want it to roar, you need a strong battery to engage it. Kids are like that. There are some kids who just need a little bit of juice and their lights will come on. There are some kids who just need a little bit of juice and the radio will start. But then there are others. They need a stronger boost. They just, they need a stronger charge. And that's what we're for. We're the battery. And we sometimes have to hook up our juice to their battery and give them a charge. But it's hard for a teacher to be able to do that if their battery is low. You know, if they're low. And that's why we have to, we we've gotta we've gotta take we gotta take care of teachers too. We they can't we can't send send sick people into a sick room <laughs> and ask them to make those in there well. <laughs> Oh, I, I, that is so good. And I, I think about that from like a leader perspective. I worked in a school, uh, a network of schools once for their model. One of their uh, pieces of their model was one learning model for all. So it was like the teachers are expected to do the same things that we expect the students to do, right? And wow. so 
it's kind of like the leader supporting the staff and the staff then supporting students, right, in the same formats. And so I think about that yeah. from that perspective as well, right? The teacher, sometimes we just need, we just need different degrees of juice or like, you know, this one class is coming in, like I need a little bit more right, juice right, right now. <laughs> right. You know who that class is too. My third hour <laughs> class, when they get here, oh man, I need some help. <laughs> I need some help. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And you got to, you know, you've got to, wherever you get that juice from, wherever you get that energy from, uh, and that's why you have to have different strategies, different techniques to um, to empower. You might use um, one of the power moves in one room. You might use one of the power moves in another room. You might have to use different things. And particularly if you have that one class, like you were saying, this class right here, and, and, they, and, and they're at the part of the day well, my battery is low already <laughs> and they're coming in here. Oh man, I need some help. So yeah, you have to have, you got to have strategies already preloaded and, and ready to go. I love like all of the various things we've talked about. Is there one thing that you want to leave people with before we get to kind of our closing questions that they should kind of hold on to after this episode? Oh, wow. Um, We've talked about so many one things. Uh, so you're you know you're you're pulling you're pulling it out of me today. <laughs> we talked about. I mean, really, it's it's. I mean, if nothing else, the mindset you we've got to start with the mindset that every kid that you see in your building in your classroom deserves the best version of you. They deserve the best version of you. How we get how we get to that now is where the conversation really begins because I feel bad for uh, instructional teams where someone like me walks in. I would never do this, but somebody like me walks in and do a PD and we pretty much make them feel like the kids aren't learning because of them. You know, they're not learning because of you do da, 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 da. And there are some things that we need to be better at, uh, but it's holistic. Kids have got to come to school ready. Parents have got to come to school ready. Uh, everybody's got to help out in this process. I, that just makes me think of like, as a leader, asking the question to your staff at the next staff meeting, right? Like, how do I help you show up as your best version of yourself? Yeah. Right. I mean, like just a quick entry point yeah. to get us thinking about yeah. that. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. A, that, that one right there is a question. I think that'll work right there. You all, <laughs> you hear that leader? She gave you a nugget there. <laughs> <laughs> So the final questions, I really like this next one and it is purely for fun. So it does not have to relate to your job or education yeah. at all, but it can. Yeah. What is something that you have been learning about lately? Wow. What I've been learning about lately is I'm a performance psychology buff. I, I love to understand what makes people jump higher, what makes people run faster. And here's one, here's a nugget for everybody. We all need, there was this, it's, it's, there was this experiment with a mouse as it always is. <laughs> they tied a spring to the, to the tail of the mouse. Um, and they measured, they wanted to measure the force that he used to pull the string. So they put him in this tube and the front of the tube, they uh, blew in the smell of cheese and watch this mouse pull on this spring to get to the smell of that cheese. Then they said, okay, 
how much harder would we pull with the mouse pull if we at the same time we we blew in the smell of cheese in the front of the tube at the same time we blew in the smell of a cat at the back of the tube <laughs> how much harder would he pull what we what 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 the uh, performance psychologist found out with that experiment or theorized from that experiment is that high performers need both we don't need just what we're chasing after. We also need something that we're running from. For maximum effort, we need both. It just can't be the higher paycheck. You know, if we uh if we get these grades up, we get a bonus at the end of the year. That's the smell of the cheese. That's good. You want that. But you also want the smell of the cat at the back. It's almost like we endured, I guess, I guess you want to say endured, but we had no child left behind. If you were around when that came out, there were people were upset about it. People were happy about it. But the fact of the matter is our president Bush at that time and the secretary of education thought that he would, they would come in with a stick to schools that say, if kids didn't do this, didn't do that, here's your stick. The following president, Barack Obama, he chose a different route. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but here's a prime example of the cheese and the cat. Barack Obama came with race to the top. His deal was, show me that you can get kids to learn and I'll give you more money. So whichever one, now if we could have had both of them operating at the same time, maybe we would have saw some magic in education. But what we do know about human beings is that if we want maximum performance, we need both. We need to chase after the cheese, but we need the smell of the cat. <laughs> so, so that's my that's what I do in my spare time. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, this is so good. Now I need to research more performance psychology stuff. It's a great, great study. Um, I think the last question, I just, I think a lot of listeners are going to want to learn more about you, connect with you, follow what you do online and in all the places. So where would you recommend they get in touch with you or see the work that you do? So there are two places real easy. You can go to carlosjohnson.org. That's real easy. You can go there. You can go to everywhere from that place, my social media links and everywhere, or go straight to my site and you'll see my three key programs. That's Power Engage for, for instructional teams that's Future Man Prep for uh, helping boys learn in a safe environment in school. Uh, and then also Power Parenting You, what I do for parents. And you can go there at imageofsuccess.com, imageofsuccess.com. So either one of those two places, you can find me. Brilliant. And we'll link to all those in the show notes too. So if you're driving, don't worry, <laughs> they'll be there. <laughs> oh, Coach Carlo, thank you so much. This is such a great conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you. Great conversation with you all. You and I can do this anytime. I can see we, we're Kendrick Spears. Agreed. Strongly <laughs> agreed. <laughs> all right. Be blessed now. If you like this episode, I bet you'll be just as jazzed as I am about my coaching program for increasing student-led discussions in your school. Shane Safir and Jamila Dugan talk about a pedagogy of student voice in their book, Street Data. They say students should be talking for 75% of class time. Do students in your school talk for 75% of each class period? I would love for you to walk into any classroom in your community and see this in action. 
If you're smiling at yourself as you listen right now, grab 20 minutes on my calendar to brainstorm how I can help you make this big dream a reality. I'll help you build a comprehensive plan from full day trainings and discussion protocols like Circle and Socratic Seminar to follow up classroom visits where I can plan, witness, and debrief discussion-based lessons with your teachers. Sign up for a nerdy, no strings attached brainstorm call at lindsaybethlyons.com slash contact. Until next time, leaders, think big, act brave, and be your best self. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode.